0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another live edition of the ACB Advocacy Update. My name is Clark Rockfall. I'm the Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs for the American Council of the Blind. And I'm joined by my colleague and co host.
1: I am Swatha Nanda Kumar, um, ACB's Advocacy and Outreach Specialist.
0: And good evening, Swatha.
1: Hello, Clark. How's it going?
0: Oh, it's going. It's going. We are on uh, Legislative Imperative 3 of 4 here tonight. Thank you to everyone who is joining us live in the ACB community, as well as on ACB media. Um, Unfortunately, thanks to the, the great work of our host, Belinda, and our streamer, Katie, And everyone at ACB Media, this will be archived and podcasted so folks may listen to it um, at their leisure as we all get ready for the 2022 Virtual DC Leadership Conference. Folks can visit acb.org to register and join us for this year's leadership conference. Swatha and I started off these live uh, advocacy update podcasts with Legislative imperative number one, the Exercise and Fitness for All Act, which was introduced in 2021, bill numbers S-2504 and H-R-4756, and we're asking all of our members and friends to contact their members of Congress and urge them to co-sponsor the bipartisan Exercise and Fitness for All Act. Last night... Our second imperative, we talked about the Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act, and this bill would require the Food and Drug Administration uh, to consider the non-visual accessibility of Class 2 and 3 medical devices and diagnostic equipment with digital displays uh, in the approval process. So again, please urge your members in the House of Representatives to co-sponsor the Bipartisan Medical Device Non-Visual Accessibility Act, which is bill number H.R. 4853. And in the Senate, there is no companion bill, but gosh darn it, there should be. So please reach out to both senators from your state, and urge them to support the introduction of a companion bill to H.R. 4853 and uh, and co-sponsor that bill once introduced in the Senate. Well, Swatha, tonight we're here with another legislative imperative, and that deals with the need for greater digital inclusion and website accessibility.
1: Yeah, so the website the website and application accessibility act. Um, so I think we all are aware on this call that most um, almost all our interactions and dealings and everything happens online. We we go we, we go shopping, we check social media, we interact with friends, we do all this stuff online and that isn't always the easiest if, if, it, if the internet is not accessible to us. So um, what we want Congress to do is to require the Department of Justice to promulgate or um, establish standards for web access that protect the rights of disabilities and make the web more accessible for us. Because as of now, there aren't, there isn't that much in place of right now, is there Clark?
0: Say that again, Swatha?
1: So there, like, as of now, there's not much by way of regulation or um kind of policy around web access, is there, Clark?
0: Yeah, and, and thank you. Um, you know, it's uh it's a bit of a mixed bag. So when we think about the Americans with Disabilities Act that was passed in 1990, um, Really, what was the internet at that time? You know, it certainly was not as ever present in our lives as it is today. Um, you know, there certainly wasn't the, the engagement with audio and video and two-way communication and real-time communication um, in a, a you know, full immersive experience impacting every aspect of our lives, like Swatha mentioned. But then I'll also add education, employment, healthcare, voting. Um, so really, you name it, you can do it on the internet through websites, applications, and online services. Uh, the ADA is great for bringing accessibility and requiring accessibility across the board in the, the built physical environment. Um, However, we would argue that there are actually two built environments. There's the physical landscape and physical architecture um, that we all know stores, schools, office buildings, you know, transportation. Uh, However, there's now a virtual built environment. And this has become quite clear through throughout the pandemic over the past 2 years everything that you can do through interacting in a, a physical store or location uh, you can now do online shopping again shopping education uh, banking uh, hr services and uh, all other aspects of you know of work as well as healthcare voting and so on so the the accessibility requirements uh, that are guaranteed to the physical built environment through the ADA, uh, we must have the same level of guaranteed access to the virtual built environment here today. And the the Department of Justice uh, does not have clear, it has not promulgated clear accessibility standards for the virtual built Environment, and that is what we are urging Congress to charge them to do. Swatha. So, what what would this look like? Um, you know, there are in and out back up to uh, 20, 2011, So the the, the Obama administration. Uh, At that time, the Department of Justice issued an advanced notice of proposed rulemaking, or an ANPRM, um, to start the the rulemaking process uh, under the ADA to create accessible website standards. Um, However, that rulemaking was not completed and then was withdrawn in 2017 by the Trump administration. So it is possible that the... The current administration, uh, the current Department of Justice, starts a rulemaking again. Um, this would be limited to the the current authority of the Department of Justice. Um, however, there are there are some issues with that. You know, there are court jurisdictions around the country that have interpreted the application of the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, to websites in the online space differently. So depending on the part of the country you're in, some jurisdictions say, yes, the ADA applies to the internet and websites must be accessible. There are other parts of the country that say, well, the ADA applies to physical places of public accommodation and there needs to be a link or a nexus between the online space and the physical space. And if there's a connection between the online space and the physical space, say, for example, uh, ordering something from a store or pharmacy and then going in person to pick it up or have it delivered, you know, then there's a nexus between the two And uh, the online space is acting as a digital storefront and it must be accessible. And then there are other parts of the country that just flat out say um, the ADA doesn't cover the internet or doesn't cover websites. And I'm looking at you, the 11th circuit, Florida, Georgia, uh, Mississippi, and Alabama. Um, So... Even if the DOJ, the Department of Justice, uses their existing authority, the authority that we believe they have, and that through public statements, um, friend of the court filings and letters to Congress, they have stated that they have, um, there could be parts of the country that say uh, these standards uh, are without merit, you don't have the power to do this, Uh, therefore we're not going to listen to you um it could also still set up the 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 pending situation we find ourselves in now that with different parts of the country ruling differently um, we could be one appeal away from the supreme court ruling on this decision and potentially saying that the ada does not cover the internet so This is why we believe it's important for Congress to act on this issue, for Congress to give clear guidance to uh, the Department of Justice. And by clear guidance, I mean uh, clear authority to enact or to promulgate uh, digital access accessibility standards that cover websites, applications, online services, you know, because again, when this process was started 10 years ago, I think about the world that we were in, like, yes, there were, there were websites and there were applications, but were there, were there really online portals? Was there the, the prospect of virtual reality and augmented reality? So we want something that can be, um, you know, have a, a functional definition of accessibility um, you know, somebody basically says it needs to be usable by people with disabilities, regardless of what the online technology is, the service being provided. We, we want to make sure that people with disabilities can access these goods and services in the online environment. Also, uh, we believe that there shouldn't be a notification or, or a, an administrative procedure that people with disabilities must go through before they can file a lawsuit to exercise their civil rights. Now, there are some proposals out there that would say that someone with a disability who can't access something on the internet, uh, first you must contact the website owner. And then after six months um, of them not responding, then you can file a complaint with the Department of Justice. And then the Department of Justice has six months to investigate it. And then the Department of Justice sends them a, sends them a warning. And then they get put on double secret probation. And then only after all of those uh, notification and administrative procedures are exhausted and everything is still inaccessible, then you can file a lawsuit. And that's uh, that's not acceptable. That's that should not be the bar, or the hoops that anyone has to jump through to protect their civil rights.
1: And that's a so, year already. Like that's a year already. So that's not by the time it, you you have by the time you can you can sue or you can um, take action, it's going to be too late. Essentially, for a, of, for a lot of cases.
0: Exactly. Imagine being a student and having to wait a year or more. To get an accessible, uh, you know, remote learning platform, it's ridiculous. Uh, you'd be so far behind. You'd basically have to drop out of school. Um, so it, it's bordering on the. Well, I've made my feelings clear about a, a <laughs> notification requirement. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. Um, and I mentioned having a strong functional definition. So there are requirements. Uh, or guidelines, shall I say, from the, the World Wide Web Consortium called the, the Web Content Accessibility Guidelines, or WCAG. And there are varying levels of WCAG requirements. And these are, uh, geez, there, there's over 40 of them, uh, specific criteria for WCAG Um, And these can be fairly specific, but at at the end of the day, either someone with a disability can use the website or they can't. So we really want a a functional definition that something is accessible, that something can be used by the disability community, people with disabilities, whether you're blind or low vision, you know, and, and most likely that will incorporate some aspect of the um, the international standards, the WCAG standards, just by how government operates. Um, but our, our starting point really needs to come at this issue from a, a strong and robust functional definition of, of usability. Oh, man. Swatha, is there anything that I've missed here?
1: Um, I would just probably add that, we want, that we'd want want these standards to be evergreen. We don't want them to have to be updated like every two mm-hmm. or three years. So.
0: Yes, yes. Congress uh, must give the Department of Justice the authority to review and update these standards, the, these enforceable standards to ensure that they are meeting the needs of everyone in the United States Uh, to be able to access online information goods and services Um, that that's a that is a a great point so it would take to do all of this it would take legislation and that bill Swather, is there a bill number
1: no there's not a bill number
0: yeah so this bill hasn't been introduced but uh, but we want one to be introduced and we are we are talking with some members of Congress about introducing a bill so I, I think the the ask for this legislative imperative you know unfortunately there's no bill to be introduced but the ask for Congress is to support a website and application accessibility act when it is, introduced. So to co-sponsor and support the legislation when it is introduced. And in addition to the aspects of the bill that we talked about here, Swatha, what else is important for folks to share with their members of Congress when meeting with them and talking about this issue?
1: Just like with the other two imperatives, um, share how this would impact you and your, um, like your, your daily life. Like how has how it, um, like how has not means access like healthcare portal or education or either a platform or a um a pharmacy website how is how has that impacted impacted you and your health or and your education or how does that how does that affect you it's really important that they hear from you about this and hear about how they why this is ne- 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 necessary necessary necessary
0: yes I, I i know that everyone here listening tonight as well as those who will listen to the podcast and everyone who will participate in the hill meetings has uh, an infinite number of stories they can share about the inaccessibility of websites or mobile apps. Uh, whether it is for, oh, I don't know, say say there's a uh, an event registration service. Um, we'll call it Eventbrite that mm-hmm. is inaccessible to people using screen readers. Or um, what if there was. a a patient portal um, called Epic or Cerner that didn't allow you to access your medical records or read your doctor's notes or complete a telehealth uh, visit. Or it could be your local department of transportation that has an inaccessible uh, paratransit website or public transportation information. Uh, there, there's numerous examples of, that our students interact with, that our parents uh, interact with when trying to help students, um, whether it's in the local community, trying to purchase from stores or restaurants, um, or even interacting with payroll and HR um, third-party software that we use every day in the workplace. Uh, These are the compelling stories that will help to express the breadth and scope of this issue and certainly how everything has been forced onto the internet over the past two years with the pandemic. Uh, And the reason I say that it's important to demonstrate the breadth and the scope is because there might be a question of, well, can't the Department of Justice just take an enforcement action right now? And that's, that's basically what's happening. The Department of Justice is taking individual enforcement actions against individual uh, website operators. But that's something that would never have been done uh, when dealing with the physical built environment. You know, The enforcement agents from the Department of Justice wouldn't have gone down Main Street Knocking on every door with their compass, protractor, and ruler, uh, measuring to see if everything was accessible. They created uh, enforcement standards and that it applied to all stores. You know, I, obviously, a few exceptions, right? But it, it applied to the entire physical built environment. And that's what we need on the, on. The internet, it's not realistic. There are hundreds of websites that are founded and operating at every minute of every day. There are hundreds of new websites. And it is unreasonable to suggest that the Department of Justice can go website by website meeting the needs for people with disabilities. And that's why we need clear, enforceable standards that the entire industry can look to, that uh, consumers and people with disabilities can point to, and that businesses can look to to have clear rules of the road on how to make their online services accessible to all.
2: Our
3: first person is Chris Bell.
4: Good evening. Thanks for the description of the legislative imperative. So to me, the straightforward way to explain this imperative is that it is a call for a comprehensive national standard that all websites, all internet platforms, all apps, and anything posted on them be accessible to and usable by people with disabilities and that such law would require the creation of such standards by regulation and would authorize both the government and individuals with disabilities to enforce the standard by a lawsuit and I think that's pretty much all one has to say in one sense that there is legislation being crafted. It hasn't been introduced. Please, please uh, become a uh, supporter when it is. Um, by the way, Clark, the 11th Circuit decision you're talking about was uh, has been deleted as if it did not exist by the 11th Circuit on Bank. Uh, huh. So that is now, it, it's now a nullity and, uh, but Florida is, is requested that the issue be reviewed on bank substantively. So we'll see what happens with that. But the 11th Circuit decision is no longer uh, authority.
1: Hmm.
0: That's great, thank you, Chris. And, but yep. that also, that still underscores uh, the need for uh, Congress to provide clear authority to the federal government in this space. Um, so that we don't have to rely on uh, the court decisions and appeals for jurisdiction.
4: well, I mean that's that's true, but there's always going to be court decisions and interpretations mm-hmm. of the law. And they're going to vary. What we want is a clear federally mandated national standard um, that is enforceable, covers everything on the web and in the internet, the platform and apps. and uh, after that, then, you know, it will all get analyzed and digested by the courts and they'll disagree. Yes. And that's just the way it goes. Yes. But thanks. Thank you. Thank you.
2: Next up is Sheila. Good evening, Clark and Swatha. How are you?
0: Doing well, Sheila. Welcome back.
2: <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry Chris didn't say what he said the other day because – um Chris made a good point, and I have said this a few times in conversations I've had. Websites are accessible because it says we've, we've got accessibility, but the content isn't. So that, and I wish Chris would write that, what he just got done saying, and we could take it to the legislators because that was perfect. Um, but... You know, the content isn't accessible. So, even though you can go to the website and you can go heading and you can do links, can you access the material that's in the heading or in the link? So, that's something we all need to remember when we are talking about this. And the other point is my patient portal is not accessible for me. And when I make an appointment and go to the doctor, I get a text telling me, check in on this link. And I can't even do that on my phone. So there's a lot that this would cover if we can even get a bill created. So thank you guys. And thank you for doing what you're doing. And
0: thank you, Sheila, for sharing that great example. And please share that example with your members of Congress next month.
5: Oh,
2: I will.
3: Great. next up is Sharon. Hi, Uh, thank you very much for this presentation, that's great. Um, I wanted to dovetail on something that Sheila was saying as far as maybe being able to move around a website or an app, but then you can't get the content accessible. And I'd say that largely right now for DoorDash (laughs) because you can get to the heading, but you can't read what's inside it. Um, My question though is, uh, would this be this um, bill when it gets created be for all websites and apps, even if there are tiny ones that they don't have a lot of people to do the developing for? And also, how would these be enforced other than a lawsuit? Is there another way to do that? Thank you.
0: Sure. So that's a great question. And, and yes, the, the bill is being designed to, to cover, let's say this, um, to cover all Uh, websites, applications, and online services. Um, So that would even apply to small websites, um, the owners or operators of those websites. And, you know, I don't think that being small um, is a good excuse because there are numerous free and readily available resources regarding website accessibility that's out there. Uh, So whether you are a a small town and you have a website, you need to make sure that website is accessible to all your residents and constituents. Or if you're a small startup business, I'd argue that you'd want to make your website accessible because then you'd have a greater reach. Um, You'd be able to reach more customers. So uh, And Sharon, I, I'm blanking on the, the second part of your question, other than um would it would it cover small website uh owners or operators?
3: Um it was about um, is there another way of enforcement to ah. save uh lawsuits?
0: Yeah, so uh the you know enforcement would come to the Department of Justice if it was Related to, you know, uh, public accommodation, it would be the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. If it was related to employment, uh, there are, you know, within the, within these government agencies, there are complaint procedures that they could enforce. Um, you know, the these agencies could also bring legal challenges. Uh, But the the bill that we are seeking to introduce would allow individuals, groups of individuals or other entities to be able to to bring lawsuits to enforce these requirements as well. And I hope that answers your question.
6: Okay. next we have Leslie. Hey, Clark. Hey, Swatha hi Leslie hi hi so I have a quick question um you know my I had to I have to get recertified every two years for my aerobics certification and my personal training certification it is not accessible at all Mm -hmm. Uh, any bit (laughs) Mm -hmm. of it and I also have to go take classes from another place so two two different entity entities that I go to my certification and then where I take the classes because of the pandemic, I'm doing them virtually now. Uh, My friends have had to come over and actually physically get me set up, get me logged in. And then I could go through um, the menus, but the menus had all these pop-ups. I had to tab at least 30 times to even listen to the class I wanted to listen to. So I'm wondering, instead of a lawsuit, because I know there's other people besides me doing this, you know, that Mm are prepared. And do you think, can we write to the DOJ and say, you know, there's these entities that are not accessible or after the bill is is, co-sponsored, could we send them to these entities and say, You know, how can we get you on board? Because the last thing I want to do is a lawsuit against these people,
0: you know. So a a couple things, Leslie. A, thank you so much for that example. And I hope you share that example with your members of Congress, uh, because whether it is certification, um, continuing education, uh, aptitude tests in education or the work environment, um, all of these tests and certification classes uh, must be covered. You know, they impact uh, they impact education, they impact employment, mm-hmm. they impact um, economic opportunity and independence for people with disabilities. Um, the The law we are seeking to create will cover those. Uh, and I'll say that there have been a number of lawsuits brought regarding um, the accessibility of training programs and certification and, and aptitude courses. Uh, mm. So whether that's the uh, a, a learning course to prepare for uh, law school or for the bar exam um, is – yeah, To prepare for law school or uh, to take the bar exam. These are things that have been adjudicated. And this could be done now via filing a complaint at the Department of Justice. Um, but we want to, with this law, we want to make sure that, as, as Chris Bell said, that there is a clear nationwide uniform framework for accessibility Online,
5: mm-hmm.
0: um, so okay. I I turn it back to you for how you would like to uh, advocate for this specific example. You know, at ACB, we always uh, promote reaching out and in good faith to collaborate with entities that we think are violating the civil rights of people with disabilities. Um, but if somebody's not going to respond or not going to fix the accessibility barriers, then we have to consider what other options are out there. So whether that's filing a, a complaint at the Department of Justice um, or seeking a you know legal action. Does that help?
6: Yep, that helps a lot. Thank you guys. Thanks for what you're doing.
0: Thank you, Leslie. Another great example of of how this can impact our members and the broader community on a, on a daily basis.
3: Next up is Donna Browning. Good evening, guys. Good evening. So, Hi, Donna. Welcome back. Thank you. So
7: I'm not sure what I'm gonna ask is gonna be covered or part of this. That's why I'm asking because I need to know. So when it comes to streaming apps or sites, how will will this bill affect them? And if so, if one of these sites is basically not based in the U.S., will it affect it?
0: That is a great question. So, uh, <laughs> and, a, um, and a tricky question. Um, so a couple times now tonight, the, the point has come up, you know, uh, the website must be accessible, but the content on the website must be accessible as well. And, and yes, could not agree more. Uh, We are working to create this legislation so that people with disabilities will have access to all of the benefits, information, and services available from websites, applications, and online platforms. Um, Now, Donna, when you say streaming, I assume you mean streaming video. Um, Mm -mm. In terms of, what's that?
7: Mm, they i'm talking more like um i know of an app that's not based in this country and it does do streaming and you can uh it's it's tv i mean you can get live okay. tv and stuff yeah so i'd be curious if that's covered sure. because it believe me it's interfaces <laughs> not accessible
0: yes so um, th- Our goal is for this bill to cover all content as well. There will be some things from a jurisdiction standpoint that the the federal government will need to work out. Um, So for example, the Federal Communications Commission has jurisdiction over broadcast, cable, satellite, TV, And that's where we have our audio description requirements and our accessible user interface requirements. Uh, But the FCC does have the authority to extend um, closed captioning requirements from uh, broadcast and cable to online video. So uh, whether how the DOJ or how the federal government does it Uh, You know, we're not going to to prescribe to them, but it could be a situation where the Department of Justice, in consultation or working with the Federal Communications Commission, requires uh, the the websites and applications providing streaming content to be accessible as well. And then to the point about uh, a company being based internationally. Um uh, That's a, a potential barrier because the you know the US jurisdiction only goes so far. But I'd say if that company wanted to do business and provide their service in the United States, then they would need to comply with our laws and regulations.
7: Yeah, this particular um, app, um, they don't even have closed captioning on it. It has no, Audio description, no close mm-hmm. captioning. It is bare bones. <laughs> yeah, um, it 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 borders on the line that it might not even be completely legal. Let's just say. But I just have to ask because if uh, you know this law came about, and I'd be able to say to them, by the way, you know, yep. it might it might make them do things a little more. You know, make make them do things that are a little more a lot more accessible, but also maybe legal. But, uh, if, if that is the yeah. case, but well, yeah.
0: I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd stick with legal services when, when giving our examples to our members of Congress. Yeah, but um, this
7: one is very cheap. It's cheap. It's uh, $19 a month. You get all TV. I mean, you get every channel, every network, every okay. movie channel, you get all of that stuff and Mueller. Well, so when, when, making, <laughs> when, when
0: making a case to uh, our members of Congress, uh, you know, we want to be good, um, good citizens and, and reflect well on on ACB as an organization. So I, I would avoid any uh, illicit or potentially illegal websites and services.
7: <laughs> we can make them aware that they're out there. Mm.
0: Uh, I think we take the high road. And,
2: um, okay.
0: And and we stick to we stick to those uh, those yeah. legal <laughs> services that that we all need and interact with on a daily basis. There are plenty of other examples out there that that we uh, can avoid uh, potentially problematic ones.
7: Just
3: had to ask. Uh, it's swoop. I don't blame you. It, yep. It's all Swoop, right, In case you want to check it out. All right. All right. So your next person is. Someone with a phone number starting in six zero eight, ending in two one nine.
4: Hi, this is Peter Heidi. <clears throat> Thank you for doing this. Um, I have two questions. One is uh, when we're talking about website accessibility, um, I've been uh, in other conversations that that uh, we are arguing for uh, accessibility at level two um, out of three, but that you had mentioned forty. So, could you say more about that? and then the second question is so um are we in the process of writing the bill to present to our legislators or is there a bill kind of presentation that we could offer them
0: sure uh peter all Thank great you. questions to their uh i guess to back up so um the The current widely accepted standard for the web content accessibility guidelines is WCAG 2.1 level AA. Um, Currently, the World Wide Web Consortium is working on uh, a a level three. So to go from 2.1 to three, Uh, when I referenced over 40, there are over 40 individual criteria um, that currently make up the WCAG 2.1 standards um, that are out there, you know, various levels of uh, contrast, navigation, um, you know, things like that, that go into making a website accessible. Uh, I would when talking to members of Congress, I would tend to avoid uh, diving into the weeds, but giving more personal examples of accessibility um, or accessibility barriers. Um, also, the, the WCAG standards can be pretty prescriptive and don't necessarily uh, reflect the usability of a website. You know, they're, they're good for engineering and website website designers to look toward, uh, but certainly for our uh, members of Congress, uh, we really want to stress the the usability of of websites and being able to interact with them, have access to the content, uh, as while we're navigating around, as many folks have said, and to have all of the benefits and access all the same features and functions, um, to have the full experience that that has that everyone else has. To your question about the bill specifics, um, there is an effort underway to draft this legislation. Um, it, has, it is not in a position where the bill content itself. Is ready to be shared with, um, you know, broad mem- members of Congress. Uh, but the the underlying principles of the bill are, and why the bill is necessary, is what's important to share with our members of Congress. That we enter, we in- encounter accessibility barriers on a daily basis. That inaccessibility is rampant in the online environment, on websites, applications, online portals, and services, and that legislation is needed to create a a uniform national framework for website and application accessibility. Gosh, Chris Bell's rubbing off on me. I can hear it in my voice. (laughs) There, there are worse things. I mean, thank you for that, Peter. Uh,
3: uh, next, right. we have someone with a phone number starting with 469, 469 ending in 352.
5: This is Mary Witherspoon from Dallas. Hey, Mary. Hello.
0: Is- Hi there. We can hear you. Hi.
5: Okay, great. I have an example of a website that created a pain point for me and I believe it would create a pain point for my congress person as well. When I went to my county's election website to get information, the list of polling centers for the elections is in a PDF format that is not accessible. So that means I couldn't vote for somebody in, who is running, Um, for re-election and so that's a pain point for me that's a pain point for a member of the House of Representatives as well so I'm assuming that inaccessible PDFs is covered within this potential bill as well.
0: Uh, Mary that is a a prime example to share with your your members of Congress, Swatha, what do you think of that example that Mary just shared?
1: Yes, yeah, very relevant, and they would really appreciate that, especially in this case. Um, yeah, and Clark, I am wrong. I do believe that this bill would cover PDFs and documents that are accessible. Yes.
0: Yes, uh, that is that is very important information. Uh, that you are trying to access from your, uh, your county board of elections. <laughs> so that, I- that information is, is uh, highly pertinent to the purpose of that website. And we are trying to craft legislation to get to exactly that sort of problem. So Mary, please, I, I hope you join ACB of Texas as they are uh, scheduling their Hill meetings and lining up meetings with their members of Congress so that you are available to share that story and that experience with your senators and with your representative.
5: I'm signed up. So thank you guys. Okay. Next up is Donna Brown. Hello. Good evening. So,
8: um, As you may or may not know, I'm a retired school teacher, taught for 37 years, and some of the most (laughs) inaccessible websites are education websites, especially for school-age children. Um, Mm -hmm. So, that is one thing I'm going to bring up to my Congress people, because, uh, uh, you know, when you're a teacher, I mean, you just have kids at heart, and and imagine that it's even more frustrating for them uh, than it is, uh, as it is, you know, for us, Um, but also... A lot of the, the websites are it, it, blind and low vision students. There, there's no way that they're on equal ground with their peers, um, which is a thorn in my side. Um, but anyway, so there's one specific case, um, again, kids at heart. Our students, Clark, you'll appreciate this. Our students were participating at the students at the deaf and blind school here in West Virginia were participating. um, It was a statewide program in uh, like a fitness program. And so they had um, Fitbits and they were to keep track of their steps and, you know, all that kind of thing. Get up and get moving thing, you know, Mm -hmm. they had to, um, enter their steps on this form on a website. And so I happened to be substituting one day and, and this one uh, totally blind student uh, who is an ACB member now. Um, anyway, <laughs> he said, he said, Miss Brown, and, and he's pretty techy. He said, I can't, I, I can't enter my information on here. He said, it, it just keeps saying a word and it'll say button. Well, it, anyway, long story short, it was it was a website I had never seen before. It was totally inaccessible, and yeah. he just eventually got so frustrated he dropped out of the program, and that broke my heart. I I just you know anyway, that's an example I'm going to bring up to my Congress people too because it kind of ties in with the other legislation, you know, the get you know, or with get up and get absolutely. moving and fitness, and yeah, absolutely. you know, yeah, that's so anyway. Reason. Gosh. I, I, that was, yeah, that, that was not a good ending to what could have been a good program for him. Aww.
0: Thank you all. And Donna, thank you for for sharing that example and for the work that you do. Um, uh, if, <laughs> if that story does not express the full need um, for this issue to be resolved, it, if that does not get garner support from our elected officials, for them to know that children in their district or in their state are being left behind and being forced to drop out of programs uh, because simply a website is inaccessible, um, that's that's really rough. So thank thank you for sharing that example, and I hope you do share that with. With your senators there and and representatives Um, in West Virginia. I'm sure
8: I will. You don't have to worry about that. (laughs) All right. Thank thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. you.
0: I guess the one thing that I'll ask is if we've heard some great examples of inaccessible uh, websites or online services, whether that was Leslie sharing her accreditation, um, you know, testing system, uh, Sheila talking about her health portal and accessing her health information and checking in uh, for medical appointments. Uh, Donna sharing the, just now sharing the impact that inaccessibility can have on students in the educational setting. Um, and even Donna Browning with her potentially Dark web, illicit websites and services. Uh, but I'm curious if, uh, if if anyone else who hasn't shared an example has has one that they would like to share with the uh, the rest of the group here before we sign off for the evening. And and Swatha, you, I'll ask you the same thing. Have are there inaccessible <laughs> services that you've recently encountered?
1: Yep. Absolutely. I'm um, against, against, especially in school, like I've had access, access to textbooks and accessible um, just learning platforms that I've used. So definitely that in, in school, having that being an issue with me trying to access the materials, materials, and trying to access the courses, course the, the course materials. So yeah.
0: Yeah. And I, I'd also share the example of, say, trying to book a flight on an airline's website and not being able to access the, the calendar or the chart where you have to select the open seat um, to be able to complete the purchase process? Uh, mm-hmm. Or what about uh, creating a, a new account somewhere and you encounter an, an inaccessible CAPTCHA on a website? So you can't even create an account or you're going through a shopping process and
1: you can't figure uh, out what you're yeah, buying
0: yeah 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 or even once you get everything in the cart you can't check out because the button isn't labeled or the the button is not accessible with assistive technology
5: you have so one hold, raised hand
0: all right let's hear De- that uh, hand.
5: debbie yes um one other example, I got a notice the other day uh that I was requesting uh, that they wanted me to be on jury duty, <laughs> but of course, that required me to get online and fill out the paperwork and of course that was not you know i had to get had to get cited assistance to do that so.
1: Yeah, it was pretty simple. You, you can't, fulfill well, your suit, suit duty, you can't access the website, so. Yep. But
5: another,
2: Again, yes. Yep.
5: The whole shopping, I think uh, the whole shopping arena is, is really important, too, because, you know, we have money that we would like to spend, too. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. So, yep exactly that's Debbie, that that's a great example. Thank you so much for sharing that example. It, it's it's perfect. That is the sort of example uh, that will speak to our members of Congress and their staff. It's it's things that they likely have not thought of before and that they take for granted on a daily basis. So yes. the more that we can humanize Um, the need and the desire of our community and we can express to them why this is so important um, the better chance we'll have of getting this bill eventually introduced and being able to garner widespread support uh, for a website and applications accessibility act all right folks so it is now um the the top of the half hour everyone thank you so much for joining us here this evening urge your members of congress to support a website and applications accessibility act and uh, swatha we know we've got some great folks here that will help us do uh, what we need to do and that is
1: keep advocating